Time, X Los Angeles, both AM and FM. 25 seconds before 7 p.m. B-U-L-O-V-A, Bulova Watch Time. Bulova invites you to see His Excellency, America's greatest watch value. Leader of your jeweler's 1948 watch parade. Yes, Double Indemnity is on the air tonight at 7 in just a few seconds. Bert Lancaster, Joan Bennett are the stars. of an explosive triangle. A man, a woman, and murder. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we bring you Mr. Burt Lancaster and Miss Joan Bennett in James M. Kane's memorable melodrama, Double Indemnity. This is the Ford Theater. Company, builder of Ford, Mercury, and Lincoln cars, invites you to the Ford Theater, a full hour of the finest dramatic entertainment with celebrated stars of Hollywood and Broadway. And now to introduce tonight's program, here is the director of the Ford Theater, Fletcher Markle. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to step into the brassy, yellow afternoons and nervous nights of summertime Los Angeles to enact for you one of James Kane's best Californian thrillers. Double Indemnity is a curious blend of passion, violence, and justice, the kind of story that rings the bell even more often than Mr. Kane's renowned postman. And with us in the Ford Theater tonight to impersonate two of the most unhappily matched villains in current crime fiction, we have Miss Joan Bennett and Mr. Burt Lancaster. Miss Bennett, an actress's great beauty and charm, slips out of character tonight to play Phyllis, who is beautiful and has a certain charm, but who is certainly not a lady. Mr. Lancaster also abandons his usually pleasant manner in favor of the solemn and brooding nature of a gentleman named Walter Neff, who is far from gentle. And as an added dividend, you'll be hearing one of Broadway's brightest and busiest performers, Mr. Martin McCormick, at Barton Keys. Miss Bennett, Mr. Lancaster, Mr. McCormick... Please to begin. Office memorandum. Walter Neff to Barton Keys. Claims manager, Los Angeles. Dear Keith, I take great pleasure in dictating this report to you. Or you should call it a confession when you hear it. Well, I don't like the word confession. I just want to set you straight about something you couldn't see because it was smack up against your nose. Wait a second. Well, I plugged this wound of mine a little tighter. Yes, I'm wounded. Yeah, that's better. Keys, you think you're such a hot potato as a claims manager, such a phony wolf on phony claims. Well, maybe you are. But let's take a look at that Dieterson claim. Accident and double indemnity. You were pretty good in there for a while, Keys. You said it wasn't an accident. Check. You said it was murder. Check. You thought you had a cold, didn't you? All wrapped up in tissue paper with pink ribbons around it. It was perfect. Except it wasn't. 
because you made one mistake. Just one little mistake. When it came to picking the killer, you picked the wrong guy. You want to know who killed Dietrichson? Well, hold tight to that cheap cigar of yours, Keys. I killed Dietrichson. Me, Walter Neff. Insurance salesman, 35 years old, unmarried, no visible scars. Until a little while ago, that is. Yes, I killed him. I killed him for money and for a woman. And I didn't get the money. And I didn't get the woman. Pretty, isn't it? It all began last May. Around the end of May, it was. I'd been out to Glendale. On the way back, I remembered this renewal possibility near Lost Fields Boulevard. So I drove over there. The house was one of those California Spanish houses everybody was nuts about about 10 or 15 years ago. Is uh, Mr. Dietrichson in? I'm Mrs. Dietrichson. What is it? Well, how do you do, Mrs. Dietrichson? I'm Walter F. Pacific All Risk. Yes? Pacific All Risk Insurance Company. It's about some renewals on the automobile insurance. I've been trying to con- contact your husband for the last two weeks, but he's, he's never in his office. Is there anything I can do? Well, the insurance ran out on the 15th. I'd hate to think of you having a smash fender or something while you're not, uh, fully covered. Oh. Oh, perhaps I know what you mean. I've been taking a sun bath on the roof. I just slipped into any old thing. No airplanes around, I hope. Uh, now about those policies, Mrs. Dietrichson. Why don't you come in? We'll talk in the living room. Ness is the name, is it? Yeah, with two Fs. Well, suppose we sit down and you tell me about the insurance. Fine. My husband never tells me anything. Well, it's on your two cars. We've been handling this insurance for Mr. Dedition for three years, and we'd hate to see the policies lapse. And that's a uh, honey of an anklet you're wearing, Mrs. Dedrickson. As I was saying, we'd hate to see the policies lapse. I guess my husband's been too busy down at Long Beach in the oil field. Well, couldn't I catch him at home some evening for a few minutes? You're a smart insurance man, aren't you, Mr. Ness? Well, I've been out 11 years. Doing pretty well? Oh, it's a living. You handle just automobile insurance or all kinds? All kinds, right on down the line. Accident insurance? Accident insurance, for sure, Mrs. Dedrickson. I wish you'd tell me what's engraved on that anklet you're wearing. Just my name. Which is? Phyllis. Phyllis, huh? I think I like that. But you're not sure? Well, I'd have to drive it around the block a couple of times. Mr. Ned, why don't you drop by tomorrow evening about 8.30? He'll be here then. Who? My husband. You were anxious to talk to him, weren't you? Yeah, I was, but uh, I'm sort of getting over the idea, if you know what I mean. There's a speed limit in the state, Mr. Neff. Forty-five miles an hour. And how fast was I going, officer? I'd say around 90. Suppose you get down off your motorcycle and give me a ticket. Suppose I let you off with a warning this time. Suppose it doesn't take. Suppose I have to whack you over the knuckles. Huh. Suppose I bust out crying and put my head on your shoulder. Suppose you try putting it on my husband's shoulder. <laughs> that does it. 8.30 tomorrow evening, then? That's what I suggested. Will you be here, too? I guess so. I usually am. Same chair, same perfume, same anklet? I wonder if I know what you mean. I wonder if you wonder. It was a hot afternoon. And I can still remember the smell of honeysuckle all along the street. How could I have known that murder can sometimes smell like honeysuckle? Maybe you would have known, Keys, the minute she mentioned accident insurance. But I didn't. I felt like a million. I went back to the office to see if there was any mail. It was the day you had that truck driver from Inglewood on the carpet. Remember, Keys? You sent for me. Oh, Walter. This is Sam Galapas from Inglewood. Oh, sure, I know Mr. Galapas. I wrote a policy on his truck. How are you, Mr. Galapas? I ain't so good. My truck burned down. Yeah, he just planted his big foot on the starter and the whole thing blazed up in his face. 
Yes, sir. And didn't even singe his eyebrows. No, sir. Yeah? Sit down, Walter. Now, look, Galavis. Every month, hundreds of claims come to my desk. Some of them are phonies. And I know which ones. How do I know? Because my little man tells me. Uh-huh. What little man? Here, inside me. Every time one of these phonies comes along, my little man ties knots in my stomach. I can't eat. Yours was a phony claim, Galapagos. I couldn't eat. So what did I do? I sent a tow car over to your garage this morning, and they jacked up that burned-out truck of yours. And what did they find? They found what was left of a neat pile of shavings. Shavings? What shavings? The ones you soaked with kerosene and dropped a match on. Uh, I ain't feel so good, Mr. Keith. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, just a minute. Sign this, and you'll feel fine. Sign what? It's a waiver on your claim, right here. Mm-hmm. Here? Here. Have a pen. Now you're an honest man again. Goodbye, Garbus. I ain't got no more trucks. Twenty-six hundred bucks is what that truck cost me. That's a lot of dough where I live. What's the matter, Galapagos? Don't you know how to open the door? Just put your hand on the knob. Turn it to the left. Now pull it towards you. That's the boy. Thank you, Mr. Keith. Goodbye, Mr. Neff. Bye. Uh, what kind of outfit is this, anyway? Are we an insurance company or just a bunch of dim-witted amateurs to write a policy on a mug like that? Now, wait a minute, Keith. I don't rate this beef. I clipped a memo to that Galapagos application to have him thoroughly investigated before we accepted the risk. I know you did, Walter. I'm not beating at you. It's the way the company will write anything just to get it down on the sales sheet. And I'm the guy that has to sit here up to my neck in phony claims so they won't throw more money out the window than they take at the door. <laughs> okay. Turn the record open. Let's hear the other side. Walter, I've had 26 years of this. And let me tell you, I'm getting just... And a... you love every minute of it, Keith. You love it. Only you worry about it too darn much. You and that little man. That's enough from you, Walter. Get out of here before I throw my desk at you. I love you, too. Back in my office, there was a phone message from Phyllis Dietrichson. She wanted the appointment put off from Wednesday night to Thursday afternoon and said, I tell you, I spent a lot of time the next two days thinking about Phyllis and the way that ankle of hers cut into her leg. I hope you didn't mind my changing the appointment, Mr. Ness. Last night wasn't so convenient. Oh, that's all right. I was I was working on my stamp collection. I was just fixing myself some iced tea. Would you like some? Yeah. Unless you got a bottle of beer that's not working. Oh, I never know. There might be some in the icebox. Nettie! About those renewals, Mr. Ness. I talked to my husband about it. He'll renew with you. He told me so. As a matter of fact, I thought he'd be here this afternoon. But he's not? No. That's terrible. Nettie! Oh... I forgot. Today's the maid's day off. Well, never mind the beer. I still will be fine. Lemon? Sugar? Fix it your way. As long as it's the maid's day off, maybe there's something I can do for you. Like, uh, like running a vacuum cleaner? Fresh. Well, I used to peddle vacuum cleaners. Not much money, but you'll learn a lot about life. Oh, I didn't think you'd learn it from a correspondence course. Your key. Thanks. Mr. Neff, I, uh... uh... Megan Waller, huh? Walter? That's right. Tell me, Walter, on this insurance, how much commission do you make? Twenty percent. Why? Oh, I thought perhaps I could throw a little more business your way. I can always use it. I was thinking about my husband. I worry a lot about him down in those oil fields. It's very dangerous. Not for an executive, is it? Oh, he just doesn't sit behind a desk. He's right down there with those drilling crews. It's got me worried sick. 
You mean some dark night a crown block might fall on them? Huh? Oh, please don't talk like that. But that's that. the idea. Well, don't you think he ought to have accident insurance? Uh-huh. Well, what kind of insurance could he have? Well, enough to cover doctors and hospital bills. Pay 125 a week cash benefit. And he'd rate around 50,000 capital sum. Capital sum? What's that? In case he gets killed. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Well, I suppose you have to think of everything in your business. Uh, I want to ask you something, Walter. Did I get an insurance policy on my husband without bothering him at all? How's that again? It would make it easier for you, too. You wouldn't even have to talk to him. Well, why shouldn't he know? Because he doesn't want accident insurance. He's, he's superstitious about it. A lot of people are. It's funny, isn't it? If there was a way to get it like that, all the worry would be over. See what I mean, Walter? Sure. You mean you wanted to have that policy without him knowing it? And that means without the insurance company knowing he doesn't know it. That's the setup, isn't it? Is there anything wrong with it? No. I think it's lovely. And then if some dark, wet night that crown block did fall on... What crown block? Only, uh, sometimes it can't quite make it on its own. It has to have a little help. I don't know what you're talking about. Of course, it doesn't have to be a crown block. It could fall out of the upstairs window. Any little thing like that. Just so long as it's a morgue job. Are you crazy? Not that crazy. Goodbye, Mrs. Dietrichson. What's the matter? Look, you can't get away with it. You want to knock him off, don't you? That's a horrible thing to say. What do you think I was, anyway? A guy that walks into a good-looking dame's front parlor and says, Good afternoon, I sell accident insurance on husbands. Have you got one that's been around too long? Or one you'd like to turn into a little hard cash? Just give me a smile, I'll help you collect. Boy, what a dope you must think I am. I think you're right. I think you're swell, as long as I'm not your husband. Get out of here. You bet I'll get out of here, baby. I'll get out of here, but quick. I wasted a lot of time that afternoon trying to get her out of my system. I went back to my apartment. I sat there looking out of the window, thinking she was a red-hot poker I'd got my hands on. I'd better let go now before my hand got burned off. It had begun to rain outside, and I watched it get dark, and I didn't even turn on the light. And right then it dawned on me that the hook was too strong. That this wasn't the end between her and me. It was only the beginning. Got your hat this afternoon. How did you know where I live? You're in the phone book. It's raining. Come in. Leave the coat off and sit down. Your husband working? Yes, he phoned he'd be late. It's about time you said you're glad to see me. I knew you wouldn't leave it like that. Like what? Sit down. Like it was this afternoon. I must have said something that gave you a terribly wrong impression. You must never think anything like that about me, Walter. Okay. No, it's not okay. Not if you don't believe me. Now what do you want me to do? I want you to be nice to me. Like the first time you came to the house. It can't be like the first time. Something's happened. I know it has. It's happened to us. Maybe I oughtn't to have come. Maybe I oughtn't. You want me to go? No. Come here, baby. Walter. Perfume on your hair. What's the name of it? I don't know. I bought it in Ensenada. You know, about about six months ago, a guy slipped on a cake of soap in his bathtub. Knocked himself cold, was drowned. Only he had an accident insurance. 
so. They had an autopsy, and she didn't get away with it. Who didn't? His wife. All she collected was a three to ten stretch into Hatchaby. Perhaps it was worth it to her. Well, let me go for a second. Sure. Make yourself at home. Night, dear Walter. There's a wonderful view over here out the window. No, thanks. I hate looking out at the rain. Oh. Oh, you ought to have your couch re-sprung. Did you ever think of a divorce? He wouldn't give me a divorce. Too much money? He hasn't got any money. Not since he went into the oil business. But he had it when you married him. Yes, he had. And I wanted our home. Why not? Move over. But that's not the only reason. I was his wife's nurse. She was sick a long time. When she died, he was terribly broken up. I I pitied him so. And now you hate him? Yes. He's always been mean to me. Even his life insurance all goes to that daughter of his, that Lola. Nothing for you at all? No, and nothing is just what I'm worth to him. And so you you lie awake in the dark and listen to him snore and, and get ideas. Walter, I don't want to tell you. I never did. Not even when he gets drunk and slaps my face. Only sometimes you wish he were dead. Perhaps I do. And you wish it was an accident, and that you had that policy for $50,000, is that it? I'll tell you what it would be like if you had that accident policy and tried to kill him. We've got a guy in our office named Keyes. In three minutes, he'd know it wasn't an accident. In ten minutes, you'd be sitting under the hot lights, and in a half an hour, you'd be signing the name for a confession. Walter, I didn't do it. I'm not going to now do it. Now, if there's an insurance company in the picture, baby, they'll hang you just as sure as ten dimes will buy a dollar. And I don't want you to hang, baby. Stop thinking about it. Yeah. All right. So, we just sat there, and she started crying softly, like rain on the window. And we didn't say anything. Maybe she'd stop thinking about it, but I hadn't. I couldn't. Because you know how it is, Keys. In this business, you can't sleep for trying to figure out all the tricks they could pull on you. You're like the guy behind the roulette wheel, watching the customers to make sure they don't crook on the house. And then one evening, one evening you get to thinking how you could crook on the house yourself and do it smart. Of course, you've got the wheel right under your hands. And you figure all you need is a plant out front, a shield to put down the bets. And then suddenly, suddenly the doorbell rings. The whole setup is right there in the room with you. Look, Keith. I'm not trying to whitewash myself. I fought it. Only I... I guess I didn't fight it hard enough. The stakes were $50,000. With a life of a man, too. A man who'd never done me any dirt. Except he was married to a woman he didn't care about. And I did. And I was holding her in my arms. Will you phone me? Sure. Walter, I hate him. I loathe going back to him. You believe me, don't you, Walter? Sure, I believe you. I can't stand it anymore. What if they did hang me? They're not going to hang you, baby. They're not going to hang you. Because I'm going to help you do it. Do you know what you're saying? Sure, I know what I'm saying. We're going to do it. We're going to do it right. I'm the guy that knows how. Walter, you're hurting my arm. There's not going to be any slip-ups. Nothing sloppy, nothing weak. It's got to be perfect. Call me tomorrow, but uh, not from the house, from a booth. And watch your step every single minute. This has got to be perfect, you understand? Straight down the line. Straight down the line. That was it, Keith. The machinery had stopped to move. Nothing could stop it.
Ford Theater production of Double Indemnity, starring Burt Lancaster and Joan Bennett, with Myron McCormick. And now, Nelson Case. For four months now, you've been seeing a new car on the road, floating by on the highway, gliding past on the street. A sleek, shining car with a low silhouette, an air of beauty and comfort, a feeling of power and effortless ease of handling. You've seen it pass countless times. You've admired the way it hugs the road and flows around curves and over bumps, the way it maneuvers in traffic. From far away, you've recognized the distinctive airfoil grille and advanced design. And you've stopped to look closely at its smooth modern lines, its picture windows, its roomy interior, a luxurious living room on wheels, the comfort and strength and beauty that are built into every detail. Yes, you know very well what car it is. Like millions of others who know it, you follow it with your eyes because you find pleasure just in looking at it. And every time you see it, you know why it's the car of the year, the 1949 Ford. And now, Joan Bennett and Burt Lancaster resume the Ford Theater's presentation of Double Indemnity. an application without his knowing what he was signing. And I wanted another witness besides Phyllis to hear me give him a sales talk. I was trying to think of you with your brains, Keys, because I wanted all the answers ready for all the questions that you were going to spring as soon as Dietrichson was dead. A couple of nights later, I went to the house. Everything looked fine, except they didn't like the witness that Phyllis had brought in. It was Dietrichson's daughter, Lola. The old man was a real grouch. The next thing you'll tell me, I need earthquake insurance and lightning insurance and hail insurance. If we bought all the insurance they could think of, we'd stay broke paying for it, wouldn't we, honey? What keeps us broke is you going out and buying five hats at a crack. Who needs a hat in California? Dollar for dollar, Mr. Dietrichson. Accident insurance is the cheapest coverage that you can buy. Yeah, maybe some other time, Mr. Ness. Whatever you say. Suppose we just settle about my old insurance tonight. Sure. All we need on that is for you to sign the application for renewal. Father? All right, if I run along now. Run along where? Who is? Just Ann. And who? Ann Matthews. It's not that needle to Kenny guy again, it's is it? It's Ann Matthews. I told you we were going roller skating. Better not be that to Getty guy. If I ever catch Good you night, with Father. it. Good night, Father. Good night, Phyllis. Good night. Good night, Mr. Anderson. Oh. I'm sorry. Good night, Mr. Ness. Good night, Mr. Don't you stay out late. Oh, now, if you'll just sign these, Mr. Dietrichson. Sign why? The application's for your auto renewal, so you'll be covered until the new policies are issued. When will that be? Oh, in about a week. Just so I'm covered when I drive up north. San Francisco? Palo Alto. He was a Stanford man, Mr. Neff, and he still goes to his class reunion every year. Well, what's wrong with that? Can I have a little fun even once a year? Where do I sign? The bottom line. Both copies, please. Signs what, huh? Yes, one is the agent's copy, and I, I need it for my files. Files. Duplicates. Triplicates. There you are. Both signs. Both of them. I want Mr. 
Mr. Neff out to his car. This right when we left it, you'll get gold. I'll be all right. Walter, was it all right? Fine. He signed it, didn't he? Sure did. You saw him. Listen. That be said he was going to make to Palo Alto. When does he leave? End of the month. He drives, huh? He always drives. Well, not this time. You're going to make him take the train. Why? Because it's all worked out for a train. Listen, baby. There's a clause in every accident policy. A little thing called double indemnity. That means they pay double on certain kinds of accidents. A kind that almost never happen. Like, for instance, if a guy is killed on a train, they pay 100000 instead of 50000 I see. We're hitting it for the limit, baby. That's why it's got to be the train. It'll be the train, Walter. Just the way you want it. Straight down the line. You know that big market up on Los Feliz? That's the spot Phyllis and I had picked out for a meeting place. There were still a lot of details that she had to know by heart. I didn't tell her to call me at the office. So she was to be at the market every morning about 11 o'clock. And I could sort of run into her any day I wanted to see her. Sort of accidentally on purpose. What? I got to talk to That's allowed. Let me talk first. All set. The accident policy came through. I got it in my pocket. I got it too. I saw him down at the oil fields. Thought he was paying for the auto insurance. Checks just made out to the company, so it can be for anything. But you have to send a check for the auto insurance. Open your bag quick. I'll put the policy inside. Here. Can you get in the safe deposit box? Yes, we both have keys. Fine. But don't put the policy in there yet. I'll take it away. Okay. Now, when is he leaving on the train? That's just it. He isn't going. What? I've been trying to tell you the trip is off. Uh, mister, could you reach me that package of baby food? That one up there. Oh, oh sure. Here you are. Thanks. I don't know why they always put what I want on the top shelf. Go ahead, baby. Walter, he had a fall down at the oil field. Broke his leg. It's in a cast. What do we do now? Nothing. We just wait. Wait for what? Until he can take the train. I told you, it's got to be the train. There are other ways. Maybe. Maybe, but... We've got to wait. Maybe we have, Walter. Only it's so tough not being able to see you. It's like a wall between us. Look, i better go now, baby. And just remember, I'm thinking of you every minute. After that, a full week went by, and I didn't see Phyllis once. I tried to keep my mind off, off the whole idea. I kept telling myself that maybe those fates they say watch over you had gotten together and broken his leg just to give me a way out. And then it was the 15th of June. You remember that day, Keys. He came into my office about three in the afternoon. Hello, Walter. Oh, hello, Keys. Came from Norton's office. Semi-annual sales records are out. You're a high man, Walter. Twice in a row. Congratulations. Thanks. How'd you like a cheap drink? Excuse me. Sure. What's that speaking? I had to call you, Walter. Very urgent. Are you with somebody? Yes, I am, uh... Can I call you back, uh, Margie? No, you can't. I've only got a minute. Can't wait. Listen, he's going on the train tonight. Are you listening? Go ahead, Margie. Only, uh, only make it snappy, will you? He's on crutches. The doctor said he can go if he's careful. The change will do him good. Walter, it's just the way you want it. On a train. Only with crutches, it makes it that much better, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's 100% better. It's a 10-15 from Glendale. I'm driving into the train. It's still the same dark street, isn't it? And the signal is still three hearts of the horn. Yeah. Margie, huh? I bet she drinks from the bottle. 
Well, I gotta get back to my office. Uh, yeah, sure. The plan for the murder was simple. I planned myself an alibi which would prove that I hadn't been out of the house all evening. I put on a navy blue suit, just like the one Dietrichson was wearing. I go down the back stairs, walk out to the Dietrichson house, sneak into the garage with a key that Phyllis had given me, and hide in the back of the car. On the way to the station, Phyllis was going to drive off somewhere onto a dark street and hunt the horn three times when the coast was clear. Everything would go wrong. 
sounds crazy, Keys, but it's true. So help me, I couldn't hear my own footsteps. It was the walk of a dead man. Act of Double Indemnity, starring Burt Lancaster and Joan Bennett with Myron McCormick. Nelson Case, let us talk. Gladly. I have a question. The other day, I had a chance to drive a 49 Ford in traffic, and I was amazed at how beautifully it handled. Now, why? What's the secret of that new Ford steering? Basically, it's the improvement in the geometry of the steering assembly. The uh, geometry? Yes. You stop to think about it, the two front wheels and the steering gear form the three points of a triangle. Then the 1949 Ford... That triangle has been constructed so that the driver gets the most effective steering with the least amount of effort. Technically, it's an improvement in the steering linkage. Well, it's certainly effective. In traffic and parking, the 49er handled like a dream. Have you had it out on the highway? No, not yet, but I intend to. Well, that's where the new Ford ride really shows up. The hydrocoil springs in front and the paraflex springs in the rear simply float the car over the bumps. The wheels may go up and down on rough roads, but the passengers don't. I know that. Everybody says the new Ford's a smooth-riding car, and they're right. And being a man who's long of leg, I appreciate its roominess, particularly on long drives. But then that's the basis of the design of the whole car. The 49 Ford was created for comfortable riding and easy driving. That's the important thing about it. Everybody knows how good the 1949 Ford looks, but you've got to ride in it to know how good it really is. We're in complete agreement. Thank you, Mr. Case. There's one thing more. Ah, uh, yes. Station identification. Oh, yes. Station identification, then. Following which, we'll hear the third act of Double Indemnity, starring Burt Lancaster and Joan Bennett. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. KNX, AM and FM, Columbia Square, Los Angeles. by Howard Rodman from the motion picture script by Raymond Chandler and Billy Wilder. Radio is frequently indebted to Hollywood for its dramatic material. Recently, however, Hollywood has discovered that it can find excellent film material in radio. Mr. Bert Lancaster, for instance, is currently starring in Sorry, Wrong Number, which Paramount Pictures adapted from a radio script. Mr. Lancaster, who's a busy man these days, may also be seen soon in Kiss the Blood Off My Hands. Miss Joan Bennett's latest vehicle is the Eagle Lion production, Hollow Triumph. Now for the third act of Double Indemnity. night I ever lived through. And the next day was worse when the story broke in the papers. Come on, Walter. The big boss wants to Oh, you. hello, Keys. What is it, that, uh, the Dickerson case? Uh, I'll see. Anything wrong? The guy's dead. 
We had him insured, and it's going to cost us money. That's always wrong. Uh, what have you got so far? Autopsy report. No heart failure, no apoplexy, no predisposing medical cause of any kind. He died of a broken neck. What is the inquest? I had it this morning. Uh, we go in here. His wife and daughter made the identification. Train people and some passengers told our Dietrichson went through to the observation car. It's all over in 45 minutes. Verdict, accidental death. Uh, good morning, Miss Andrews. Hello. I'll tell the boss you're here. He's expecting you. What did the police think? That Dietrichson got tangled up in his crutches and fell off the train. They're satisfied. It's not their dough. You can come right in, Mr. Neff. Oh, thanks. He's on the phone. I believe the legal position is quite clear. Just stand by. Right. I'll call you later. Come in, Mr. Keyes. You do, Mr. Neff. Thanks. Sit down. Sit down. Any new developments? Oh, nothing much. Dietrichson's secretary says she didn't know anything about his taking out this insurance policy. I, uh, I couldn't sell him at first. Uh, Mrs. Dietrichson opposed it. He told me to think it over, and later I went down to the oil field and closed him. He signed the application, and he gave me his check. And a fine piece of salesmanship that was, Mr. Neff. There's no sense in pushing Neff around. Are we sure Dietrichson fell off a train? I don't get it. You don't, Mr. Keyes. Then what do you think of this case? No opinion at all. I'm surprised, Mr. Keyes. I formed a very definite opinion. I think I know what happened to Dietrichson. Mm-hmm. You think you know what? In my opinion, it was not an accident. I think it was suicide. What do you say to that? your mind. Uh, forgive me for driving around to your apartment, Walter, but uh, there's something wrong. Yeah? I ate dinner two hours ago. Stuck halfway. I got myself an idea and couldn't swallow. There's something wrong with that Dietrichson kid. Well, uh, well, what's in your mind? That broken leg. Dietrichson broke his leg. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Dietrichson. He had accident insurance, didn't he? Then he broke his leg, didn't he? For what? He didn't put in a claim. Why didn't he put in a claim? Why? What the dickens are you driving at? Uh, maybe he just didn't know he was insured. Oh, no, no, that couldn't be. You delivered the policy to him personally, didn't you, Walter? Sure I did. Uh-huh. Got any bicarbonate of soda? No. Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, maybe Norton was right. Maybe he was suicide. No. Not suicide. But not accident, either. Well, what else? Look, a man takes out an accident policy that's worth $100,000 if he's killed on a train. Then, two weeks later, he is killed on a train. And not in a train accident, mind you, but falling off an observation car. Something has been worked on us. Well, uh, such as... Such as what? Murder? Who do you suspect? I always tend to suspect the beneficiary. The wife? Yeah. That wide-eyed dame that didn't know anything about anything. You're crazy, Keys. She wasn't even on the train. I know she wasn't, Walter. I don't claim to know how it worked or who worked it. But I know that it was worked. Well, I've got to get to a drugstore. That dinner feels like a hunk of concrete inside of me. Good night, Walter. Oh, Keys. Uh... What are you going to do? I'd like to move in on Mrs. Dietrichson right now, tonight. If it wasn't for the boss and his striped pants ideas about company policy. Only, 
You haven't got a single thing to go on, Keith. Uh-huh, not much. 26 years' experience, all the percentage there is in this lump of concrete in my stomach. Uh, see you in the morning. Good night. Walter? Huh? Oh, Phyllis. Did you hear? How much do you think he knows? It's not what he knows. But those stinking hunches of his. But he can't prove anything, can he? Well, not if we're careful. Not if we don't see too much of each other for a while. For how long a while? Well, and until this all dies down. You don't know Keys the way I do. He'll watch you every minute from now on. Are you afraid, baby? Yes, I'm afraid. But not of Keys. I'm afraid of us. It's you and me I'm afraid of, Walter. It was the following day that, that Lola Dietrichson came in to see me. She was plenty upset. Mr. Neff, I'm not crazy. Or I'm, I'm not hysterical. I'm not even crying. Only I have an awful feeling that something's wrong. I had the same feeling once before, when my mother died. When your mother died? We were up at Lake Arrowhead six years ago, and it was bitterly cold. My mother was very sick with pneumonia, and so she had a nurse with her, but there were just the three of us in the cabin. Well, one night I got up and I went into my mother's room. She was delirious with fever. And all the bed covers were on the floor and the windows were wide open. The nurse wasn't in the room, so I ran over and I covered up my mother just as quickly as I could. And just then I heard the door open behind me. The nurse stood there. She didn't say a word. But there was a look in her eyes I'll never forget. Two days later, my mother was dead. You know who that nurse was? No. Who? Phyllis. Six months later, she married my father. I kind of talked myself out of the idea that she could have done anything like that. But now something has happened to my father, too. You're not making sense, Miss Dietrichson. Your father fell off a train. And two days before he fell off a train, what was Phyllis doing? She was in her room in front of the mirror, Mr. Neff, with a black hat on and she was pinning a black veil on it, as if she couldn't wait to see how she'd look in mourning. Lola Dietrichson was going to tell her story to anybody who would listen to you. There was only one thing I could do about it. I offered to take her out that night. I wanted to cheer her up. So I took her to dinner at a little Mexican joint in Alvera Street where nobody could see it. The next day, Sunday, we went for a ride down to the beach. That day, she even left. I had to make sure that she wouldn't tell that stuff about Phyllis to anybody else. And I had no chance to talk to Philip or Phyllis myself. You were watching her like a hawk, Keith. I couldn't even phone her because I was afraid that you had wires tapped. closed in on us a little more, Keys. You even tracked down Jackson, the guy on the observation platform. And with his help, you figured it all out to the letter. The fact that Dietrichson was never on the train in the first place. The fact that someone had posed as Dietrichson, sent Jackson back for cigars, jumped off the tracks, and planted Dietrichson's body on the tracks. The 
only thing you didn't know was that the guy who jumped off the train was me. I wasn't sure how much you did know. But that morning you asked me to come to your office. Jackson was there, facing the door when I came in. Don't go away, Walter. This is Mr. Jackson. Mr. Jackson? He's checking some pictures for me. Look, Mr. Jackson. Here's a picture of Diedrich. Is that the man you talked to on the train that night? Uh, no, sir, it is not. Mr. Jackson, this is Mr. Neff. Oh, pleased to meet you, Mr. Neff. Jackson, I want you to stick around for a while in town. Expenses paid, of course? Of course. Jackson Lobin in the cashier's office. You ever been in Oregon, Mr. Neff? Uh, no, I, I've never been up there. Hello, Lobin, this is Cage. Uh, listen, I'm sending a man named Jackson. Oh, oh wait a minute. Ever go trout fishing? Maybe I saw you up at Klamath Falls. Nope, I don't fish. Take care of his Never go fishing, Neff? Yeah, he's coming right down. Okay. Hmm, Neff. Neff, it's the name. There's a family in Neff's and Corvallis. No relation. All right, Mr. Jackson, suppose you go down to the cashier's office. They'll take care of your expense account. Uh, well, bye, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. Bye, Mr. Jackson. Dietrichson dam is in it, and somebody else. Pretty soon we'll know that somebody else is. He'll show, he's got to show. Whether it's love or hate doesn't matter. They can't keep away from each other. They may think it's twice as safe, but it's ten times as dangerous. They've committed murder. It's not like taking a trolley ride together where they can get off at different stops. They're stuck with each other. They've got to ride all the way to the end of the line. It's a one-way trip, Walter. And the last stop is the cemetery. Hello, Walter. Why'd you phone me? Come over here. What's the matter? Everything's the matter. She's just sitting back with a mouth of water, waiting for you to sue. But you're not going to... Well, if he rejects my claim, I have to sue. Yeah? And then he'll have you in court, and a lot of other things are going to come up. Like, for instance, about you and the, the first Mrs. Dietrichson. What about me and the first Mrs. Dietrichson? The way she died. Oh? And about that black hat you were trying on before you needed a black hat. Oh, Lola's been telling you some of her cockeyed stories. She's been seeing you. I've been seeing her, you want to know, so she won't yell her head off about what she knows. Oh, she's been putting on an act for you, crying all over your shoulder, that lying little... Look, all I'm telling you is you're not going to sue. It isn't the money anymore. It's our next. We're pulling out, you understand? Because of what can, Keith can do? You're not fooling me, Walter. Because of Lola. What you did to her father. You're afraid she might find out someday. We can't go through it. That's all. We have gone through it. Walter, the tough part is all behind us. We just have to hold on now and not go soft inside. Stick close together the way we started out. Excuse me. Well, watch it. I loved you, Walter, and I hated him. But I wasn't going to do anything about it. Not till I met you. You planned the whole thing. I only wanted him dead. And I'm the one that fixed it so he was dead. Is that what you're telling me? We went into it together and we're coming out at the end together. It's straight down the line for both of us. You remember that. I remember the piece. About that trolley ride you talked about in the cemetery at the end of the line. 
And then I got to thinking what cemeteries were for. I guess that was the first time I ever thought of Phyllis that way. Dead, I mean. And how would it be if she were dead? And then a couple of things hit me in succession. First, Lola. I saw her three or four times that week. Last time, she told me about a boyfriend she used to have. A guy she was still in love with. She had a fight with him then for some stupid reason, like, well, like not maybe having enough to do with herself the night she wasn't with me. She'd been following the ex-boyfriend. You ought to remember his name, Keys. You told me about him the next day. Walter, hang on to your hat. That Dickinson case is just busted wide open. The guy showed. What guy? The guy who helped her do it. Oh, the, the somebody else? What's more, she just filed suit against us. What? When we get her into the courtroom, I'll tear them to pieces, both of them. Come on, Walter, I'll buy you a beer. No, uh, uh, no thanks, Keys. Uh, I got a shave and a shoe shine. I got a date. Margie again? I still bet she drinks from a bottle. I was scared stiff, Keith. Maybe you were playing cat and mouse with me. And maybe you know all along that I was with somebody else. I had to find out. And I knew where to look. In your office. Late that night, I took a record out of your files and I played it on the dictaphone. The same dictaphone. Memo to Mr. Norton, confidential. Dietrichson file. With regard to your proposal to put Walter Neff under surveillance, I disagree, absolutely. No connection whatever has been established between Walter Neff and Mrs. Phyllis Dietrichson. Whereas I am now able to report that such a connection has been established between her and another man. This man has been observed to visit Mrs. Dietrichson on several successive nights, and we have succeeded in identifying him as one Nino Zacchetti. <laughs> An acquaintance of yours, Mr. Zacchetti. It's been you and this Zacchetti guy all along, hasn't it? That's not true. Well, it doesn't make any difference if it's true or not. Point is, Keyes believes Zacchetti is the one he's been looking for. Walter, maybe I don't go for the idea. Maybe I'd rather do a little talking. You know, sometimes people are where they can't talk. Under six feet of dirt, maybe. And if it was you, they'd charge that up to Zacchetti, too, wouldn't they? Sure they would. And that would make everything just lovely for you, wouldn't it? That's right. And if it's got to be done before that suit of yours comes to trial and Lola gets a chance to sound off, before they trip you up in the stand and you start to go down and drag me with you. Maybe I had Zagetti here so they wouldn't get a chance to trip me up. We can get the money and be together. <laughs> That's cute. Say it again. He came here first to ask where Lola was. I made him come back. He's a crazy sort of guy, quick-tempered. I kept hammering into him that she was with another man, so he'd go into one of his jealous rages, and then I'd tell him where she was. He has a gun. And you know what he would have done to her. 
Don't you, Walter? Yeah. And for once I believe. Because it's just rotten enough. We're both rotten, Walter. Only you're just a little more rotten. You got me to take care of your husband for you. And you got Sketty to take care of Lola. Maybe take care of me, too. And then somebody else would have to come along to take care of Zucchetti for you. That's the way you operate, isn't it, baby? Walter. You can do better than that, can't you, baby? Better try again. Maybe if I come a little closer. How's this? Think you can do it now? Why don't you shoot again, baby? Don't tell me it's because you've been in love with me all the time. No, I never loved you, Walter. Not you or anybody else. I used you. Just as I was going to try and use the Kathy. That's all you ever meant. I could use you. Until a minute ago when I couldn't fire that second shot. Something kept me from pulling the trigger. I never thought that could happen to me. I didn't know I cared that much for you, Walter. Sorry, baby. I'm not buying I'm not asking you to buy. Just hold me close. Yeah. Close. Like this. Walter. Goodbye, baby. Why? 
because the guy you were looking for was was too close. He was right across the desk from you. Closer than that, Walter. Yeah. I love you, too. Entertainment is brought to you every Friday by the Ford Motor Company, builder of Ford, Mercury, and Lincoln cars, Ford trucks, farm tractors, and industrial engines. Now again, Fletcher Markle. May a director identify the principals in our cast tonight. In the foreground, Phyllis Dietrichson. Was played, of course, by Miss Bennett. Walter Neff. Was played by Mr. Lancaster. Barton Keyes. Was played by Myron McCormick. Mr. Norton. Joe DeSantis. Lola Dietrichson. Was Mercedes McCambridge. Mr. Jackson. Was played by Robert Dryden. Actively assisting were Hadley Rennie, Miriam Wolfe, and Ivor Francis. Now to next week. Next week on the Ford Theater, we're offering a bright American comedy about a small-town girl who makes good but can't make up her mind. If she has any brains at all, they're scattered because she's the kind of girl who suddenly finds herself engaged to three young men. Tom, Dick, and Harry. That's the name of our story. And as for our stars, we look forward warmly to the astonishingly individual Miss Lucille Ball. And with her, the individually astonishing Mr. Eddie Albert. We hope you'll be with us. Until next Friday, then. Until Tom, Dick, and Harry with Lucille Ball and Eddie Albert. This is Fletcher Markle with a good night and thank you from all of us in the Ford Theater. to the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, producers of Night Has a Thousand Eyes, starring Edward G. Robinson, John Lund, and Gail Russell. Remember, October is the month of the community chess drive in your city and all over the nation. Remember that the community chess means many campaigns in one. More than 12,000 Red Feather services receive community chess support. Remember that the need for these services is greater than ever before. Remember that everybody benefits, everybody gives. Remember to give to the community chest. <laughs>